This is Shelter in Place, a podcast about coming together in a world that pulls us apart. From Oakland, California to Hamilton, Massachusetts, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. This past week, I gave an acceptance speech for an award that I had not yet won. The good people at the Skylark Collective reached out to me last month to say that we'd been shortlisted for the International Women's Podcasting Awards. Since I'm not able to attend the awards ceremony in London, they asked me to send an acceptance speech on video in the event that we win. The episode that was shortlisted for the award is one that is close to my heart, both because of its content and its character. It's the story that Sarai Waters shared with us about the six months when she was homeless. Sarai was the very first graduate of the podcast training program that we launched in January, and she helped to edit audio for that episode. Eve Bishop, another one of our early graduates, was the associate producer for that episode and helped me bring Sarai's story to life. I could not be more proud of Sarai, Eve, and the nine other graduates who are bringing new life and perspective to audio storytelling and were the best thing that's happened to us in this pandemic odyssey. We'll find out on September 23rd if we won. But in the meantime, I wanted to share with you a little glimpse of what we submitted. I was homeless for six months. We were running low on funds. My mom had recently lost her job because her car got repossessed and she wasn't able to go to work. I have crazy faith where doing stuff like that doesn't faze me at all. I knew everything would be okay, even though I had no clue that things were not, in fact, going to be okay. In the 16 years that I've lived in Oakland, I've watched the homeless population grow. Encampments have sprung up all over the city. Entire blocks or parking lots of tents with makeshift shelters and sometimes even solar panels. Even before the pandemic, the San Francisco Bay Area had the third largest homeless population in the nation, second only to New York and LA. According to San Francisco City data, for every one person who escapes homelessness, three more people take their place. Unlike other tech hubs like Seattle and Austin, San Francisco's urban development is extremely regulated, which means that there are tighter restrictions on how much can be built. More restrictions means less housing, and less housing means more homelessness. Recently, I spoke with someone who challenged every assumption I had about homelessness. Homelessness is dried hands and cracked lips and prayers for hot showers at Lava May on Tuesdays. It's being a quick change artist in the McDonald's restroom at 6 a.m. I refuse to smell like the fire I've walked through or the human scat I almost stepped in. I'm the product of my environment, of vigilant nights and studious days, of nights cloaked in newspapers that cover exposed joints like fresh pastries, fragile and warm. Homelessness is dehumanizing, and there's always room here, because homelessness doesn't discriminate. Sarai didn't fit any of the stereotypes. The first time Sarai was homeless, she was attending grad school. Her mom was homeless with her. My mom was my rock during that time. We didn't have any money to sleep anywhere because my FAFSA hadn't kicked in. When we got to LA, we used all the money for the cab fare. We enrolled me in school and we had to call my grandma to get us a hotel for the night. And we were like, okay, we're okay for two days. By this time, classes had started. After those two days were over, we were like, okay, what do we do now? I knew 
that my FAFSA would eventually kick in. I knew that I would eventually find a roommate who I could live with, but in my heart, I was freaking out. Sarai's experience reminded me of a phenomenon I read about recently, hidden homelessness. Hidden homelessness is when people have temporary solutions to shelter, maybe couch surfing, staying with friends or family, sleeping in cars, or even in abandoned buildings or parks. But because they're able to present well during the day, it's not obvious that they're homeless. Women and youth are more likely to be among the hidden homeless. They're also less likely to seek help from shelters or social services. We waited, we listened, we prayed, we sat silently, nothing. And we knew that we were going to be sleeping outside that night. And so we walked down the hill toward this baseball park. And it's like 10 o'clock at night because my film classes were getting out super late. So we were like, all right, we can do this. We were not prepared at all. We thought California was sunny. It's sunny during the day, not at night. It's completely a desert. The baseball park lights did not go off until 11 o'clock. So it'd be super bright out there and we'd have to wait until the field closed and then we'd sleep wrapped up in every single item of clothing that we brought to LA. All we had was our jackets. We were on a metal park bench. I couldn't sleep beyond two o'clock in the morning because that's where the cold would set into the bowl of the valley where we were. I'd be so cold and I'd be up until six and we could go to McDonald's, get washed off, change clothes. Some days it was easier to accept than others. I went to class from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. None of my teachers knew what was going on, so my days were like any other day. It was almost like I wasn't homeless. Having to get up early, being in class all day, it didn't hit me until night. That I had no idea if I was sleeping at a park bench at night. Sometimes I separate myself from my emotions to help me get through traumatic events. That's not necessarily the best, but that has been my coping mechanism for as long as I can remember. And during that time, it was my go-to because that was the only way I was gonna make it through class. I would have to step out of what I just endured the night before, go to school, be around my classmates who have perfectly normal lives. And then I'd have to go back to sleeping at a park bench at night. It was kind of like I had to step in and out of myself. Legend has it that in ancient times, the god Zeus would disguise himself as an ordinary human in ragged clothes, just to make sure that people still knew how to practice hospitality. For those inclined to view our homeless populations as people not pulling their weight in society, maybe we'd do well to imagine them instead as divinely disguised. I would say I had enough faith to start the journey. I knew that whatever I was supposed to be learning, humility, not caring about what other people think, or worrying about how many clothes I have, if I'm wearing the exact same outfit that I wore for the past five days. When it rains, we would sleep in like bus depots and we used food stamps, which some people are ashamed to do, but when you need to use food stamps, you use food stamps. They were our bread and butter. Homeless people cannot successfully have a job if they do not have a mailing address to send their insurance information and all of the things that business corporations require to be sent to your house. But a lot of people don't go to shelters because shelters are not always safe. They have rats, pests, ticks, 
That's why they require you to have TB shots when you go into shelters. If you're staying there as a resident, it's really not a safe or clean environment to live in. So it's not that they don't want to get a job. They just don't have the right circumstances to get a job. It's not impossible, but it's very hard to get out of homelessness without knowing the right people and having the right community around you. Sarai's story makes me realize how many assumptions I've had about the homeless population, even as I've tried to be compassionate toward them. I never would have imagined that Sarai would find the best community of her life in a homeless shelter. We would meet other homeless people. Homeless people do not usually talk to housed people. It's less intimidating to talk to someone who actually understands what you're going through versus someone who looks at you and pities you. We were able to have open and honest conversations with strangers, but actually what's really crazy is going to San Francisco was the first time that I was really put in the world of the gay community. I met some really wonderful people out in San Francisco. Like I've always had a heart for the community because I'm in it. I've never felt community like community, you know, like I've got your back, you got my back with people outside of the homeless community. It was a really humbling and beautiful experience. Being out there is what taught me what community was. So much of what we think will make us happy, wealth, possessions, status, power, just sends us along on the hamster wheel of striving. With all of those things stripped away, Sarai was more able to see the people that she met at the homeless shelter, friendship that welcomed in strangers at their most difficult hour. We talk a lot at Shelter in Place about transforming communities by first transforming ourselves. In this case, we can do both. We can recognize the humanity in the homeless. Maybe start by just introducing ourselves and asking their names. We can resist the urge to think we know their stories and instead investigate what our cities are doing to support them. Each year, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development awards homeless assistance grants to communities that provide housing and services at the local level, including street outreach, emergency shelters, and rapid rehousing. Sarai's story makes me realize that at the end of the day, all of our hustling and striving matters a lot less than we think it does, even in a pandemic. She's helped this metaphorical shelter to feel a little more like home. What you've just heard was excerpted from our season two episode, An Affront to Zeus. Sarai is currently working as a freelance audio producer. So if you're looking to hire someone for a writing, audio editing, or voiceover project, send us a message and we'll put you in touch. You can hear the full episode featuring Sarai's story by going to our website, shelterinplacepodcast.org. You can also sign up there for our newsletter, which we've just redesigned and are releasing most weeks with treats for your eyes and ears. We're counting down the days until season three. You can listen to Shelter in Place episodes anywhere that you get podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, or any of the other places that you already know about. We'd be delighted if you'd leave us a five-star review while you're there and tell us what you liked about this episode. Until next time, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis. A Huda Media Production.